0: Appreciate the warm welcome and I'm glad to be back with you. I think uh, COVID seems like it wasn't very long ago, so uh, it, it probably seems like I was here before COVID, but it was in 21, it was right after. I Really, we were still kind of in the middle of it. Um, but uh, that was three years ago now. It, uh, time is just flying by and I've been excited um, ever since that meeting to be able to come back and to be with you again. and Uh, had a wonderful week but the worst thing about it was that Jennifer was not with me and she's here this week Uh, so this this is gonna be a lot better meeting for me and I'm sure it's gonna be better for you too uh, to have her uh, here in in your presence Uh, Bob was mentioning that I I might just uh, just to refresh your uh, minds, so or maybe for the first time make you aware of the fact that uh, Jennifer and I are uh, in Blue Springs, Missouri, which is a a suburb of Kansas City. It's on the east side of Kansas City. I'm working with the South Side Church of Christ there in Blue Springs. So if you're ever in that area, as you're going east out of Kansas City towards St. Louis, it'll be the last uh, place you come to before you get out of the metro area. Uh, We uh, have, have a wonderful congregation there growing, lots of young couples, lots and lots of children. Uh, fortunately we have elders there I'm one of the three elders there as as Bob serves as one here I I do the same there and we're about to put in another elder and things are 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 going very well for us Uh, as a matter of fact we just recently had Kevin Clark in a gospel meeting and uh, tremendously encouraged by that Uh, but we um, uh, things are going well Uh, we Jennifer and I grew up in the uh, Oklahoma City area and my first preaching work was in Texas, and then eventually came to the Kansas City area about 13, almost 13 years ago. So that gives you an idea of where we're from. Jennifer's dad preached for about 20 years in the Oklahoma City area, the congregation where I grew up. Uh, so our families go way back, and uh, she's tremendous support to me. Uh, you, You will be blessed to have her here with me this week. People always like me better when she's with me. So maybe the meeting will even be better as a result of that. But we have three children, uh, all grown. We're, we're uh, for the most part, empty nesters now. And uh, we have one grandchild, and we'll probably be bragging about her this week as we visit with you. Uh, but we're glad to be with you. We had, had a good day of travel yesterday. Appreciate the good co- uh, accommodations that have been made. And I know that our time is going to go by very quickly. Uh, So we want to make the most of it. We want to seize every moment. I hope that you've been inviting your uh, friends uh, to come out and to be a part of this effort. And I want you to know that I've prepared myself in in studying. I will also show uh, consideration for your friends that you bring this week. Uh, We want Christ to be magnified in everything that we do, and that's going to be my effort as we go through this particular uh, effort this week. I know that there's more that I could probably say, but hopefully... Uh, that'll be enough uh, for now, and then we can visit and get to know each other even more afterwards. I, I will tell you, I, I remember a few names from the last time I was here, but I, uh, I remember everyone's faces. So <laughs> I, I do remember you, but you're going to have to remind me of your name, and it, and we'll we'll be off to to a good start again. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the Book of Matthew this morning for our study. Matthew chapter six, and we're going to begin in verse. 25 in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 25 <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 25 the scripture tells us there excuse me let me make sure i've got this on The scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6, and in verse 25, Jesus said, "'Therefore I say to you, do not worry.'" Uh, Or backing up, I'm sorry, verse 24, "'No one can serve two masters, "'for either he will hate the one and love the other, "'or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. "'You cannot serve God and mammon.'" I wanna start with that passage because it sets the stage for what he's gonna deal with, beginning in verse 25. So then in verse 25, therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble as we look at this text i I think we're all familiar with where we're at in the context we're looking at what is commonly called the sermon on the mount the greatest sermon uh, ever recorded in my estimation but i think that as we look at this topic of worry it's important for us to realize and to understand that the amount of devotion to the subject of worry Or anxiety in the Bible has to reveal to each one of us its prominence as a problem in life and I don't think that we have to be told that I think that all of us recognize that this is something that we do struggle with from time to time maybe on a daily basis I don't know where you're at in your journey and your faith But I would expect that this is something that has been of a great challenge to you. But I want to tell you, it is not just a great problem in life, but it's also a weapon of Satan that he uses very effectively against us. We all deal with worry at different times in our life. We might worry about something for a little while and and then have it under control for a while and then at another time it comes back and causes a problem. The thing is, we can all find something to worry about at any time, though. There's so many things going on in this world, and I would expect there are things going on, uh, maybe even within this congregation, that you have some concerns about, some brother, some sister that you have a concern about spiritually, maybe within your own family. But there's always something that if we choose to, we can worry about it. And so I want to ask you this morning, how many of you are worried about something this morning? How many of you, as you arose, as you were preparing for worship this morning, as you were driving here, maybe even as you came into the building, have something on your mind that you are deeply concerned about, maybe to the point of worry? I think it's something that we all are familiar with. And I I mentioned that Jennifer's uh, late father uh, uh, preached in Oklahoma City for about 20 years. He passed away in 2004. But I remember back in the 80s he preached a sermon on the subject of worry. And and it stood out to me. I remember it. But it was years later, after I began preaching, that I found the bulletin with the outline of that sermon. And as I went through it, I was amazed by some of the insight and some of the points that he had on the subject of worry and interestingly he titled his sermon prescription for a worry-free life too <laughs> i actually borrowed that from him i'm not good at, at a, a good title so i i used that one but as i went through that there was something that he brought out in that sermon that i had been completely unaware of and that is the meaning of the word that is translated worry it is the greek word merimnao And this word in the Greek, merimneo, is a word that means to be apprehensive, to have anxiety, to be anxious, to be unduly concerned. We would realize, yes, that is the meaning of worry. But when we look at some of the word studies, Vincent's word studies, A.T. Robertson does some work on this as well. But in Vincent's word studies, he says that this word in the Greek is derived from meris, which means apart, and maritzo, which means to divide, and was explained accordingly as a dividing care, distracting the heart from the true objects of life. I want you to think about that, because that reveals so much about the problem of worry and why it is such a problem for us. The Bible is telling us here that worry is something that actually divides the mind. It is a dividing care and when we think about the problem of dividing the mind we have to be aware of how often the Bible warns us about being a double minded man because that's really what that means to be double minded means that there's not a unity of mind but that you are divided in your affection that you're divided in your focus that you're divided in your attention and that's not going to be good for any relationship much less our relationship With God I want to ask you again this morning do you find yourself worrying or anxious about something almost every day you don't have to speak out you don't have to tell me I'm asking you to be honest with yourself self-awareness is what we must have if we're ever going to grow and and to become the uh, the reflection of Christ that we ought to be so I'm just asking you think through this Do you find yourself worrying about something every day? That's important. And you know, many times we realize that what happens when we get caught up in this worry is that it it almost paralyzes us from anything else that we can do. We are so distracted that even checking on other people or providing things for them becomes extremely difficult for us. You know, while I'm not being what my mom would call a worry wart, I have let worry and anxiety paralyze me on some occasions, where it captivated my thinking. It was hard for me to even, uh, uh, to to be able to compartmentalize that and to think on something else. So I, I know what that feels like. Anxiety is extremely dangerous for us. And it paralyzes us in significant areas like in our family. It takes away our focus and our attention on, on parenting as it ought to be, to be engaged with our children, to pick up on the nuances of the things that they're saying, to know when the opportunity is there, to be able to share something with them, or to comment, or, or to bring up a discussion even within our marriages. The communication that we need to be able to have and a great deal of our effectiveness and communication has to do with the ability to be insightful And I'm telling you that when we are captivated by worry, we're not insightful. We are focused on whatever it is that we're worried about. It completely commands everything that we're doing. And we might say, well, Brett, I'm just concerned. It's okay to be concerned. I mean, we need to be concerned about things, absolutely. But there's a difference in concern and worry. Concern is where we have attention needs to be given to something, we need to seek whatever the action items are where we can take action and do something about that, and then we commit it to God. That's concern. That's the way that that works. Worry is when we become captivated by it, where our hearts are actually divided from where they need to be. Proverbs 12 and in verse 25, the wise man says, anxiety in the heart Of man causes depression but a good word makes it glad this worry has a devastating effect on our psyche on our emotion on our focus on all of our service to God and that's what's so serious about it that's why we need to take seriously what's going on remember in Luke chapter 10 and in verse 41 Jesus said Martha Martha you are worried and troubled about many things Luke 10 and verse 41 she was distracted her, her mind was caught up in things of a temporal thing and look hospitality is not unimportant that, that's a very serious matter it's important people need to give their attention to hospitality but she lost sight of its place And of the more important thing that's what Jesus is saying and that's what worry does to us we can be worried about something that's very important but when we allow ourselves to worry about it rather than being concerned praying to God taking whatever action we can and then committing it to God it causes us to be captivated by it and distracted and divided here's the thing though And this is something that I think that sometimes we may not want to admit or to accept, and that is the fact that worry can actually be controlled. I want you to notice with me in Philippians chapter 4, this is a text that I know you're familiar with, and I want to just read through it here. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4 and reading through verse 8. In Philippians chapter 4, he says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I will say rejoice. Now, I want you to pick up on a contrast. He's starting out talking about the joy, which is a theme throughout the book of Philippians. Paul was not going to allow anything to take away his joy in Christ. And so, he's exhorting all of us and those at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. And as if that wasn't enough, he said, I need to say this again. I want to make sure you hear this. Rejoice. Now, he's going to tell us what we've got to do in order to rejoice. He said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I want you to note verse 5, because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. And we're going to notice that word gentleness. I'm reading from the New King James translation. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. We're going to talk about what that means and and why that's important. But he says in verse 6 then, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. I want you to notice that command. Be anxious for nothing. That leaves us no wiggle room. And that tells us that this out this excuse of concern is is can be a very dangerous thing because Jesus has commanded us be anxious for nothing. Verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus I want you to notice that peace will guard our hearts and minds verse 8 finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things i want you to notice this text notice what he's telling us here he's telling us that we actually have the ability to take control of what our mind thinks you say oh you you don't understand brett you don't know how hard this is no but jesus does jesus does he he's had that challenge with worry. He had stress on a level that I will never experience. And he says, be anxious for nothing. But I want you to notice as we look at this text in verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. There really is a peace that every one of us here in this building, I don't know your personal situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what trials you're facing right now, but I'm going to tell you, whatever it is, every one of us here this morning can presently have this peace that passes all understanding. You know, it sounds almost too good to be true, but it's real nonetheless. You know, this, the Bible is not filled with fairy tales. This is telling us something we can do, and it's telling us how we can do it. And I, and I want to emphasize something else. When we say that this peace that surpasses understanding is real, we need to do more than just acknowledge that this is true. We need to show the world that this is true. Here's the second question. How many of you exhibit to the world a peace that surpasses all understanding? You know, we, we think about the characteristics of Christianity. And we think about love, we think about hope, we think about all of these things, but I wanna tell you peace is crucial to all of this. It is absolutely necessary that we see the importance of peace in our life. And I want you to notice the contrast as we went through this. The contrast between rejoice in verse four and anxiety in verse six, and that word anxiety is the same Greek word that we saw in Matthew, merimneo. This translated worry there and then I want you to notice as we said in verse 7 the word gentleness let your gentleness be made known to all men that's a word that means moderation or forbearance the ESV translates it reasonableness That's an interesting translation I think it's accurate I think it's very good you know We we think about the word gentleness and, and we think about the gentleness of a mother with a child and that that would fit this but it is it is very rich because it's not just talking about a tenderness it's talking about a forbearance and if you've seen a mother with a child for very long you know that there has to be a great deal of forbearance there there is going to be sacrifice there is going to be some suffering and and this word conveys that idea of staying moderate not the person who's up here and down here and up here and down here it is that moderation of forbearance that we are steady as she goes and you know what creates that is peace anxiety destroys it anxiety and worry puts us up here and down here and up here and down here and he said I want the world to see something about you. I want them to see this moderation and forbearance in those trials that you are tempted to worry about and to get down and to get discouraged. I want the world to see that your faith keeps you steady. You think about that storm. Jesus was sleeping down down in in the bow of the boat. His disciples, who were professional mariners, they knew something about the sea. They knew something about a storm. They were scared to death. And the ship is being bounced around everywhere. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's steady. He knew who was in control. And that's what God is telling us here. Let your moderation, forbearance, your reasonableness be made known to all. Why does God want people to see that? Because it shows them who we belong to. It shows them, it demonstrates our faith. And then notice, he says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Peace guards, anxiety destroys. That's why it's so important that we find that peace and we hold on to it. Because it keeps us in the right place. Are you known as a person who has peace you should be you say no I I wish I were I I wish I could have that Brett but you you've got to understand what I've been going through or you've got to understand the situation I I do I mean I'm maybe I haven't experienced what you're going through I do understand that this life is filled with things that try to shake us from our foundations but Jesus still says I want you to be a person that people see and what they see is peace and the thing is we have a choice brother J.R. Bronger worked with me there in the preaching work at Southside for a number of years he's back in Indianapolis now but he preached a sermon in a gospel meeting that he held for us before he moved to work with us and it was from John chapter 5 and in verse 6 Where Jesus is healing the lame man but Jesus the the lame man cries out to Jesus to heal him and Jesus asked him a very interesting question he said do you want to be made well and J.R. took that and and made some applications of it and I want to tell you that's an important thing to think about and so when we talk about peace this morning and the struggle to have that, to overcome worry. And I'm asking you, are you a person that people see as a person of peace? And you say, "I, I really want to be. I want to ask you, tell me the truth. Do you want to be made well? You see, J.R. made the application of this. He said, you know, there are a lot of people that want to be made well in their marriage, or they want to be made well in their life. Everybody wants relief, he said, but not everybody wants the cure." Sometimes we lie to ourselves. We say we want to be made well. We don't really want to be because we're not willing to do what it takes to get there. How many times have maybe you counseled or or encouraged a, a married couple that's having trouble in their marriage and you say, do you want to fix this? Here's what you need to do. And they tell you, yes, I want to fix this. But when you show them, they're not willing to do it. Again, I ask, do you want to be made well? I want to tell you, we have to have the will to do it. We have to decide that we don't want to be a victim to all of the things happening to us. We don't, want to, we don't want a pity party. We don't want attention. We want God's attention, and we want peace, and we want to overcome. How are we going to do that? Well, as we have titled the lesson, Prescription for a Worry-Free Life, I believe that that's what we found in the text that we started with. What Jesus was giving there in the Sermon on the Mount was a prescription for a worry-free life. And I want to look at just a few of the things that he outlines here in this text in Matthew chapter 6. So, let's go back there, starting in verse 24 and reading down through the end of that chapter. And let's just notice, as if it's a prescription, what does Jesus say that we need to do? First of all, did you notice how many times in that text he said, do not worry? do not worry do not worry one of the first things that we're going to notice if we're going to overcome worry is we've got to get our priorities straight I want to ask you what really comes first in your life because in verse 24 he deals with that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 he said no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other that does not create peace having two masters does not create peace it creates anxiety and jesus said that's the first thing that you've got to do is get your priorities straight what comes first we have too many temporal things at the top of the list that's the real problem too many things at the top of the list and we've got to be willing to set those aside and what's happening is we're allowing ourselves to be divided in affection and that's destroying our service look in James chapter 4 James chapter 4 and in verse 8 this passage has has been so profound in my life reminding me bringing me back to where I need to start to fix things In James chapter 4, he says in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Take some initiative. God is there. He's waiting on you to draw near to him. But then notice, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Now, for years I've read over that passage and I see cleanse your hands you sinners and I think about the the filth of sin and purify your hearts and I think about the filth of sin in our heart but that word purify is a word that's telling us it's conveying the idea of maybe a a liquid with some admixture to it you know when Jesus talked or when when the Apostle Paul by inspiration of Christ in Galatians chapter 1 was talking about the gospel message And he said that there are some who have perverted the gospel. He said, I'm amazed that some of you are turned away so soon from the gospel of Christ to another gospel, which is not another, but some have perverted it. What he's saying is they've added to it. That's what the Judaizing teachers were doing. They were adding circumcision and the keeping of the law to the gospel. And what did they do? They destroyed the purity of the gospel. And so when he's talking about purifying your hearts, I don't believe that he's just talking about get all those evil thoughts out of there because he follows it with you double-minded what he's saying is you need to be single-minded god says in matthew christ said matthew chapter 22 that the greatest commandment of all is to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul single-minded and so for that reason we've got to realize how dangerous temporal things are. There are too many temporal things on the top of the list, and a great deal of the worry that we struggle with has to do with temporal things. And I don't think that I've ever seen a greater example of this than what we went through with COVID just a few years ago. A lot of us were torn up about it, and I want to tell you there was division in churches. People were so overwhelmed with what was happening in the world. And it was a serious matter. It was concerned too. But it brought out some things in a lot of brethren and a lack of peace in a lot of brethren. God was still there. These are all temporal things. Our bodies are temporal things. They're going to return to the dust. All of this, we've got to make sure that we're focused on the main thing. And what he's telling us in this text as we get to verse 25 is that life is more than food and clothing. Food and clothing in this context is just a metaphor for all the temporal things of life. What he's telling us is that we need to cultivate contentment. And I believe that this is one of the reasons a lot of people are so worried. They have not learned in whatever state they're in to be content. And it's all about temporal things well we don't have enough of this we don't have enough of that and look groceries are so expensive right now I mean we've seen a level of inflation uh, that that reminds me of a long time ago when I when I was much much younger it's terrible And, and yes life has changed interest rates the cost of a house our oldest son graduated from college and he was ready to go out and and to be able to get his first house he didn't have a chance the, the market today is not anything like it was when Jennifer and I were buying our first house but you know what it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things but we can worry ourselves sick about it we've got to understand where to place these temporal things concern over this world Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 will literally choke the word and we will become unfruitful that's the danger Of being distracted, of being divided in our heart. And we're worried about things that have to do merely with this life. And you know what's interesting there in Matthew 13? In Matthew 13 and verse 22, he says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. You see that word cares? That's the word merimneo. That's translated worry in Matthew chapter 6 in our text the worries of this world the anxiety of this world the cares of this world choke the word that's what he's telling us if you want to be made well Jesus has the prescription and the first thing he tells you is get your priorities straight don't worry about temporal things number two number two trust in the providence of God you remember the song God will take care of you my wife Jennifer tells about as a child one of her sweetest memories is her mom singing that song to her at night and the comfort that it gives God will take care of you through every day or all the way God will take care of you that's what he's saying in verse 30 now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith he's saying look at what I do look at how I take care of these things we've got to be able to see that God is the giver of life and of every good and perfect gift act 17 25 He gives to all life breath and all things James 1 and in verse 17 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning we need to be able to see that God is the giver of all these good gifts and and so many times when we're worried there is a crisis there is a trial right before us and and look they come and go in our life whatever you're going through right now is not going to be the last one unless the lord comes back real soon and i'd be thrilled if that happened but there's going to be others and these trials they come and they go and when we get focused on them i want to tell you what we don't see you know it's, it's this myopic vision where we get this tunnel vision and all we see is the crisis how are we going to fix this How are we going to take care of this and we're not seeing all the good things that God is doing at the same time you see this is the beauty of of the way that God trains us look in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul prayed that the thorn in the flesh would be removed and his answer was no my grace is sufficient for you I'm going to provide what you need to endure this trial because you're going to know me better. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 3? He wanted to share in the sufferings of Christ, that he would know him better. He said, You're going to walk a mile in my shoes. You're going to know me better. And you're also going to demonstrate, remember it, your gentleness will be made known to all men as you go through this trial. But how are you going to do that? How are you going to get through it? You have to keep your vision open to be able to see God's grace and His gifts. And his goodness sprinkled throughout that tribulation and that trial that's how we remain joyful that's how we have peace but we've got to be able to see that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift and he continues to give those gifts we need to see his providential care for all of his creation that's what he's saying in verse 26 all the way down through verse 29 look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your Heavenly Father feeds them you know what he's saying he's saying hold on a minute you know we find throughout the Bible Psalm chapter 1 so many passages telling us to spend time in the Word but I want to tell you what this verse is telling us we need to spend a little bit of time outside we've got a generation that needs to be trained to spend more time outside and I say that, not just to, uh, for the pleasures of, of life, but to look up and to see what God does. He said, I want you to look at the birds of the air. I want you to look at the lilies of the field. I want you to see some things that I've created. I put them there, and I created them in just the way I created them because there are lessons there for you. Go outside, look at what I've done, and then look up. And when we see that, we're going to understand some things. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, he says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26 and in verse 3. That's an important one that we can never forget. We've got to learn to wait on the Lord. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Cast all your care on, uh, upon the Lord for he cares for you. I don't know what the future holds but I know him who holds the future this is what he's telling us third don't worry about what you can't change that's verse 27 which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature my our youngest son played basketball he was worried to death that he wasn't ever going to be tall he wanted to be a tall point guard and so he just he said dad my dad was height challenged <laughs> he wasn't very tall and and Trent said am I gonna be short like grandpa I said, you don't need to worry about it all your mom's uncles they're like 6 4 and the interesting thing is Trent is now probably the tallest in our family but but he was worrying about something that he couldn't control and there's so many ways that we can do that my mom tells about when we were just little kids me and my two brothers in in uh, uh, during the Vietnam War and she would watch the news and see the body count and she said she worried sick about her boys going off to war not one of us lived during a draft or a war or in in our early years where we would have been drafted we worry about things that we can't do anything about and Jesus said all you're doing is destroying your peace and then fourth seek first The kingdom of God and his righteousness we've got to learn to put the eternal before the temporal in verse 33 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things all these temporal things will be added to you that's what Jesus was saying to Martha in Luke 10 Martha Martha you're worried and troubled about many things but one thing is needed and then lastly live one day at a time verse 34 therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own thing sufficient for the day is its own trouble while it's called today live in the moment live in the moment seize what you can today see the opportunities and whatever we're concerned about tomorrow we will deal with those tomorrow live in the moment it is crucial that we understand that. Somebody has said that worry is merely interest paid on trouble that hasn't come due. Makes a lot of sense to me. I don't like to pay interest, and I'm sure you don't either. And what that's saying is you're paying interest on something when it's not even due. That's what worry is. It is a waste. Well, I appreciate your kind attention in in this study. I am certain that this is something that all of us can use It's something that's as practical as anything that we'll find in God's Word. Brethren, this is crucial, not just for you in your life. This is crucial for your children to see that Christianity is not something that makes you miserable. Otherwise, they're not going to want to be a Christian. And the world needs to see that peace, that gentleness, that moderation in your life every day. And it's especially crucial that they see it in the midst of your tribulation. Let us reflect Christ in that way. Thank you so much for your kind attention. We'll be dismissed.